this evening's reading is from Proverbs chapter 31, verses 10 to 31, which is on page 667 of the Church Bibles. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray as we stand. Oh, to see my name written in the wounds, for through your suffering I am free. Our gracious Lord Jesus, we praise you for the wonder of the cross, the cross that we do not deserve, but yet in your graciousness gave to us. And we pray, our Lord Jesus, as we come to your word now, that you would increase our view of you. Please help us to listen. Please, by your spirit, would you change our hearts. Amen. Please take a seat. And as Tim mentioned, we're in our final chapter of Proverbs 31 this evening. And um, you'll see on the back of the service sheet, there's an outline of where we're going to be going. That might help you follow along. And uh, if you've closed the passage, please do reopen it. It's on page 667, 667, and we're starting at verse 10. If you've ever been given a prescription, you'll know that when you pick up the tablets or the medicine or whatever, the, um, the, they've got a warning label pasted on the front. Now, um, the label tells you what to do with the prescription, when to take it, that sort of thing, but it also gives you a warning which most of us normally ignore, about um, 
not to drive or operate machinery, some sort of warning like that. Well, this evening, I want us to start by doing something similar with this chapter. I want to paste a warning label on it, because Proverbs chapter 31 is a chapter that is very easy to misunderstand. Perhaps you're a woman, and uh, as you heard the chapter read, you thought to yourself, my goodness, here is a list of qualities that I lack. Here is a chapter that is going to crush me. I mean, this woman, she sounds like the perfect wife and the perfect mother, the sort of woman who has her kids lined up obediently at the school gate, ready to go on time. The type of woman whose house is so clean that it looks like pictures from the IKEA catalogue, and you think, I'm not her. Or perhaps you're a man, and you're married, and you thought to yourself, this sounds great. Here is a list of qualities I would love my wife to have. And you're tempted to nudge your wife's arm as you hear the verses that you want her to fulfill read out. You're probably not that brave. (laughs) Or perhaps you think to yourself, this is a chapter for the married mothers. Perhaps uh, that's not you. Perhaps you're single, or you're not a parent, or you're a man. And you think to yourself, here's 20 minutes off. I'll let this one pass over me. Here's one that doesn't really apply. Or perhaps you heard the chapter, and as you heard it, you thought, here is an example of an outdated picture of women, one that belongs to an age that is rightly behind us. And you think that this chapter's got nothing to teach us other than than how not to be a woman. But what I want us to see this evening is that um, if that is our reaction to this chapter, then we've deeply misunderstood it. Because I think we find that if we read it closely, we will see that this is not a to-do list to crush us. It's not a checklist for our wives. It's not a, a, narrow, a narrowly applied chapter that only uh, applies to cer- a certain group. Nor does it belong to an outdated era. But it is a chapter that is deeply challenging to each of us, male and female, married or unmarried. Now, how do we see that uh, in this passage? Well, what I want us to do um, is to take a step back, first of all, and we're going to do this under our first point, to ask who this woman is. Who is she? And then secondly, under our second point, we're going to think, what does she show us? And then thirdly, we're going to get to that question we began thinking about at the beginning. How are we meant to respond in our different contexts? So, let's think about who she is. Well, she has no name, uh, but it's clear that from what is said that she's a mother and a a parent, and there's no reason to doubt she's not a real person. And as you'll see from verse 10 and verse 29, this passage is a celebration of her. Verse 10, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Verse 29, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. In fact, um, this is a poem, and um, it's written, um, the posh way of describing this is is an acrostic. It begins with each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So, here we have an A to Z, if you like, of why this woman should be celebrated. And in between verses 10 and 29, the author gets his camera and he focuses on different aspects of why this woman is so praiseworthy. 
to verse 14, we get a picture of her serving her household. Verse 14, she is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. That might come as a surprise to you, but there was no Amazon Prime uh, when this was written or online groceries for her. So she had to go out and bring in the food. But it's not just the local staple from the local market. She travels afar like merchant ships, bringing in the freshest and richest of foods. But she doesn't just dump the shopping on the dining room table. She sets her alarm clock so she's up before anyone else in the house, making sure that the food is prepared for her family and her servants. And you might think, here we go. Here is the author painting quite a convenient picture of the wife at home, confined to household duties. It might be that um, we even wince a bit at this description, thinking this is a kind of outdated picture of women. But when you look closer, you see that that is not the case. See, in fact, this woman engages in business, verse 13. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. Now, it's before the days of H&M, and so she's out making clothing for herself and her family with the, the raw materials of the day. But it doesn't stop with just her and her family. Verse 24 tells us that she sells the clothing to others. So she's on eBay, she's on Etsy, turning in a profit from the work of her hands. But this is not just a woman who stops with eBay. She's on Dragon's Den as well. So in verse 16, she uses the profit to multiply the wealth. Look at verse 16. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. Now, to buy a field in these days was a huge undertaking. And the commentators tell us that it required a huge amount of skill to assess the potential profitability of a field. It was like buying a business today. And yet, we're told, she inspects the field, she makes the decision to purchase, and she prepares it for a vineyard. This is no woman who's confined to the house with no real responsibility. This is a woman who uses her talents and her initiative to bring in wealth. But before we think this chapter's kind of advocating the independent woman, and um, she's going along singing, I depend on me, you'll see that actually she's not an individualist. She uses her talents and wealth for the sake of others. So in verse 20, she opens her arms, arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. There's no hoarding of wealth, only generosity. And in verse 23, we read that her service supports her husband. His reputation is enhanced by all that she does. He's not a rival to her. She is pleased that he prospers as a result of all she does. Now, back to that question at the beginning. Who is she? Well, the commentators point out that this is a poem that reads like a celebration of a hero. See, lots of the language here, I don't know if you picked up on it, lots of the language is used elsewhere in the Bible of mighty warriors, People who have conquered great armies or people who have brought in great victories. But there's something clever going on here. The author is playing with the genre. 
because military-type language is used, but actually it's clearly not a military-type person. So the, the poem describes her strong arms in verse 17, but those arms are used for work in a field. She opens up her hands, a classic thing that warriors do in verse 20, but it's to feed the poor. And in verse 25, she's clothed in strength and dignity, but it's because of her faithful service. Now, why does that matter? Well, here's the point. She is the hero. She is the heroine. See, the the point of this is that um, heroes aren't just found on the battlefield conquering mighty armies, but they are found in women like this in homes and marketplaces. Heroes are not just men of great strength, but women like this who uses her talents to support others. See, in God's eyes, the victory of getting the dinner cooked despite the tantrums and burning the main, so that your children go to bed full, is just as praiseworthy as a victory over the mightiest army. Now, the the point of hero or heroine stories like hers is that they inspire us to do the same. It's not meant to be a carbon copy. It's not that we go home and do exactly what she does and start getting out the wall and flax uh, as soon as we arrive home. But it's that we be inspired by her hard work and dedication to others. Now, it might be that we don't feel very inspired. Maybe we feel that our work at home or our support of a family isn't very praiseworthy. Perhaps you're a woman who's left behind a career for the sake of a family. And you have that nagging feeling in your head that life could have looked very different if it wasn't for leaving your job, all the recognition that you left behind. And perhaps you look to the future, perhaps you're a bit younger, and you, perhaps you even fear getting married or starting a family because you worry about how you're going to feel losing that sense of achievement or value. Well, let this Proverbs 31 woman be an encouragement to you because her work, her support of her household, her support of her husband, her love for the poor in the community is heroic in God's eyes and merits a chapter of celebration. That's who she is. Point two. There's something else um, this woman shows us, and we get a hint of it in verse 30. It says this, Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now, if you've been here for our series in Proverbs, you'll know that that phrase, fears the Lord, is hugely significant. It doesn't mean that we cower in terror at God, but that we live in a way that is conscious of the fact that God governs creation. It's a bit like going to swim in the open sea. If you're a wise person, and I've made this mistake, you're, you have a healthy fear of the sea. You're conscious of its power. And the book of Proverbs tells us that if we want to be wise in life, we kind of want to cut with the grain of creation. It starts with living in a way that is conscious of God's rule. So by including this phrase, the author is telling us 
why she is celebrated. Why? Because she is wise. She demonstrates wisdom. She personifies wisdom. Now, you might be thinking, why does that matter? Well, but notice how she demonstrates wisdom. Where do we see her wisdom played out? Well, it's in what we've just looked at, isn't it? It's what fills this chapter. It's in her hard work for the sake of others. In other words, she shows wisdom by what she does. Now, you might think that doesn't sound hugely significant, but when you compare this understanding of wisdom to other views that were going around, daylight emerges between the Bible's view of wisdom and other views. So you take the Greeks, for example. Uh, their, um, their view was that wisdom was found by escaping manual work. So if you wanted to be wise as a Greek, you get off the building site, you flee servitude, and get into a school of philosophy. See, wisdom for the Greek was demonstrated in the wise things that came out of your mouth, not in what you make with your hands. And on top of that, wisdom was a male pursuit. Women need not apply. But how different is the Bible's presentation? See, here we have wisdom personified. It's not a great philosopher in a great institution or someone who speaks great words of rhetoric. It is an everyday woman doing everyday things. I remember looking on my school's website a while ago and um, looking at the page that listed um, the students that had gone on to have notable achievements. I thought this would be interesting and uh, found my name wasn't there. Surprise, surprise. Maybe they don't know about this job. Maybe I should tell them and then maybe it'll be on there. Well, um, Chris Smalling went to my school. Um, Chris Smalling? Woo? Yeah, he's a footballer. It's pretty impressive. It's our only claim to fame. And uh, it was a little surprise that he was on there. And I remember down on this list, there were other people who had achieved impressive academic achievements or successful careers. And I remember thinking, where are the women who have gone on to run a household? Where are the women who have brought up children successfully? I mean, they don't feature. They're not deemed impressive enough or considered a display of wisdom. But Proverbs 31 gets us to think differently, doesn't it? Because wisdom is not shown in the letters after our name or the titles on our business card. Wisdom is found in the everyday grit of life, working hard, supporting a family, making money for a household. Maybe you're a woman and um, you don't feel particularly clever. Maybe you haven't got the academic achievements. And, and because of that, you wonder whether you've got much to offer. You think, what can little old me do? But Proverbs 31 shows you that wisdom isn't demonstrated in the exams that you pass, but in the life you lead, in doing what pleases God, working hard to serve others. It might be you struggle to see the value of working as a homemaker. Or you look at other women who are, and you can't help thinking that they're missing out. You know, putting pack lunches together or wiping yogurt off children's faces or bringing up teenagers doesn't feel very cutting edge. It doesn't feel very high-flying. But the Proverbs 31 woman shows us that this is the gallery 
for displaying God's wisdom. We've looked at who she is, what she shows us. So let's come back to what we thought at the beginning. What are we all meant to take from her? What are we meant to do with her example of wisdom? Is it a to-do list to complete? Is it a development program to help us to become the effective women? There's lots of videos on YouTube telling you that, but I I don't think that's true. Uh, Because actually, when you read it closely, you'll see that is not the main thing the author wants us to take away. See, interestingly, the only instructions or commands in this whole passage come in verse 31. It says, give her the reward she's earned, or honor her for what she's done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. See, that's where the book finishes. That's where the author lands. It's what we're commanded to do. We're to praise her. We're to honor her. We're to honor the women who follow her pattern. Actually, the the verb used there is, um, and the same verb in verse 30, is the verb from hallelujah, praise the Lord. That's not to suggest she's a rival to God. We're told in verse 30 that she fears the Lord, and God wants us to praise what is good, and she is someone that we should praise. She's utterly praiseworthy. See, because of this woman, because of her everyday wisdom, we should honor her. Now, again, when you compare what this woman is praised for with other views of the day, the chapter is very countercultural. See, in the ancient world, it, it wasn't that women weren't praised, they were, but they were praised for their beauty or the erotic pleasure that they could bring men. Now, obviously, those days are way behind us. That was a joke. (laughs) But verse 30 tells us that those things are not the true value of women. Verse 30, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now, it's not that beauty is evil, but it's only skin deep. And like the morning mist, it evaporates with the passing of time. But true value is found in a woman who fears the Lord in her heart. Not just what she looks like, but what she does. I'd love to say more on this. What a very contemporary description. What a a wonderful antidote to the objectification of women that plagues our culture. And the question this raises is, do we praise where praise is due? See, we live, don't we, you know this, in a culture where beauty and charm grant you success, where beauty and charm can be the criteria for someone swiping left or right. And as a result, women feel pressured to strive for beauty, and men can talk about nothing else. And it's very easy, even as Christians, to kind of take our cues from the world around us. But this chapter orientates us onto what is truly praiseworthy, a woman who fears the Lord. A word to the blokes, to the men. Do we encourage women in these things? I wonder what our conversation is like about members of the opposite sex. What do we value? What do we show that we value? There's no room for what some presidents call locker room talk here. Do we, as men, take a lead in church life, instead in a culture where women don't feel that pressure that they do outside to to look a certain way, 
but where they're celebrated for the qualities of their hearts and the service of their hands. As married men, do we encourage our wives in these things? It's very striking, isn't it, how the husband and wife here are not at odds, but they complement one another. They're not rivals. See, he gives her lots of space, in fact, to do what she does, and she supports him in what he does. There's no tyranny. There's no resentment at her successes, only celebration. It's very easy uh, to focus on our wife's flaws rather than nurturing her strengths. And you wonder, how do you do that? Well, this chapter shows us it starts with praise of the right things. And a word for the women. What is it you seek? What's your, your big plan for life? You know that there's that constant pressure from the culture around you to, to focus on what our culture deems valuable. And so you find that your self-worth correlates to how you look in the mirror any given day. Or you can feel second class to other women who choose, if we choose, to come out of a career for a family. But this chapter orientates you onto what is truly valuable, what you should seek, fearing the Lord in your heart, and displaying wisdom in your everyday work. Running a household or working hard to support your family or bringing money in won't ever make the front page of glossy magazines. It won't win you an Instagram following. But that praise is so fleeting, no one remembers. But this woman in Proverbs 31 has been praised in the world's most popular book year after year, decade after decade, century after century. And the question is, will we join her? But as we close, ultimately this woman points to another. See, if this passage was just a checklist for you to complete or a manual to, to make you the perfect wife, it would crush you. You'd never be able to fulfill it. But 1 Corinthians 1 reminds us that Jesus Christ has become the wisdom of God for us. See, Jesus was the only one who truly feared the Lord with all his heart. Jesus was the only one whose works were truly wise in all he did. But rather than receiving praise like this woman, he received a criminal's death. But... Through his death and resurrection, he brings to us, undeserving sinners, the benefits of living, living wisely, even when we've chosen folly. So that one day, just as this husband in Proverbs 31 rejoices over his wife, so too will Jesus Christ rejoice over you and me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to the end of this book, we're conscious of the many commands to fear you, to seek wisdom. And we're conscious, Father, of how slow we are to realize that, how quickly our hearts go on to other things. And we pray that that would not be the case, that each and every one of us would be given the strength to fear you, to live wisely. And we pray particularly, Father, for those of us struck by this example, if this Proverbs 31 woman, that you would give us the strength to follow her example and the grace to carry it out. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.